0: I was like, okay, Lord. So we began this ministry, and um, I will tell you that I know the name is a little weird. Everybody's like, what's a passion approach? I don't get what a passion approach is. Well, to help you understand that, I did a lesson. It's a one-time series lesson where I teach this one video series out of Luke chapter 10 because a lawyer approaches Jesus and asks him, Master, what must I do to be saved? And we would think, okay, that's why Jesus came to earth. Surely he'll answer this question. But he doesn't answer that way. He asked him two questions. He said, what are you reading and how are you reading? But when you go back and you look at Luke chapter 10, this is what the Bible says. A lawyer came to Jesus to tempt him and ask him. And I will tell you this. It was how he approached Jesus that Jesus said, I have no truth for you. And he turned it around on him and said, how are you reading the scripture? You've come to me asking for truth, but you come with a closed heart and closed mind and a closed arms. But if we approach passionately, zealously for the word of God, with a love for the word of God, show me what you want me to do, I'll do it. Then we will receive something. The Lord has never not given something to someone who approached in the right manner. Um, anybody know somebody named Sister Janice Shostrian?" I've got a great four-lesson series by her called Being Blessed, where she takes the numbers blessing, may his face shine upon you. And then she brings in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed Be, all the blessed bees of Jesus. And so she talks about being blessed. I have a one-lesson series called Is Your Family G-Rated? And so this is built off of a concept that, you know, a lot of people will look at the Let the rating industry tell them what's acceptable for their children to watch. Well, I went to the movie Rating System website, and I pulled exactly how they get to their rating, and it's shocker. And then I said, you know what? They don't rate for me. God does. I'm a G-rated family. I'm a God-rated family. He determines what's acceptable for my family. It's a great, it's a good lesson. And then I have a lesson um, by a beautiful missionary kid. Sister Paula Nielsen, she was um, a missionary for many years, missionary kid, uh, came home, got married, married a minister. He left her for another woman. And she's written a book, but she also did a three-lesson video series because she talks about how the Lord gave her a new life. And this is called Hello, New Life. And she is living this even right now. Some of you may be aware of the young apostolic girl that was killed by her husband. He beat her to death. This is her niece, and I spent some time on the phone with her, and she said, I'm having to do a new life all over again. I would just encourage you, this has got some, and it's not just if you've been through divorce. If you've ever been through any major trauma that you feel like you can't get past, I would highly, highly recommend this three-lesson video series called Hello, New Life. I do have some books. I have a worship book called Making the Connection. I have led worship. Built our music program, led it for 20 years from keyboard. I've been delivered from that, praise the name of the Lord. I know they were like, do you want to play, Sister Brent? And I'm like, not unless I just absolutely have to. I have played, sang, directed, coached. And it's bad when you're the pastor's wife and the music director and you're playing from the keyboard. I would tell people I played like this. I'd be playing in an elite worship. I'd see Sister So-and-so come dragging in. I would be like, then she wouldn't praise the Lord, and I'd be like. Because I knew what was going to happen. As soon as everything was over, she was going to beeline for me. I got to talk to you. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. Jesus has been trying to talk to you for two hours. Sorry, was that too much sharing? I'm sorry. Pull, pull it pull it back. Ran it in. Sister Burton, ran it in. Um, I do have a book, The Process of Holiness. I will tell you that I have turned that into a three-booklet series. The same information is in both. Um, There is reasons why God asks us to do what we do. We don't just do it. We didn't make it up. It's in his word. I build that on principle. You've got to learn the principles of the word of God. Now, why did I put it in this form? This is a Bible study format that you can share with a new convert. You know, if we give them this, they want to go to to the back, you know, start at the back of the book, yeah, start at the beginning of the book. Um, and then also I found that young girls, if you have young teenage girls, they don't want to read a book, but they'll read a booklet. I don't know why. It's all the same information, but whatever. So um, you can come by and see me. I would love to get rid of all these books while I'm here so I don't have to figure out how to get those back home. And it is good to be with you. Thank you for this invitation. All right, let's stand and read the word of God. To keep my glasses on to see you people that I can't read here. Does anybody else have my problem? Anybody else went to put your driving glasses on and your reading glasses are on your head? I have an eye appointment this week. Maybe they'll give me the all in one. I don't know. We'll see. I'm reading from the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 16 through 18. I one time had somebody say, You sure teach a lot out of the Old Testament, Sister Burton. I'm like, well, when you really look at it, three-fourths of the Bible is the Old Testament. You kind of need to know that. And everything you understand in 1 Timothy where he said all Scripture is inspired and given, he wasn't talking about the New Testament. He's talking about the Old Testament. So I think you've got to know the Old Testament as much as you've got to know the New Testament. Amen. Sorry. Numbers 21. Y'all are getting all my rants today. My goodness. See if I can give you something spiritual. Numbers 21, verses 16 through 18. And from when thence they went to Beer, not Beer. It's not in the Bible. From thence they went to Beer. I'm sorry, I like to have a good time. This is how I read the Bible. I just take a minute and laugh. I'm like, you're so funny, Lord. Okay, let's go back. That is the well whereof the Lord spoke unto Moses. Gather the people together, and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, spring up, O oh well. Sing ye unto it. Verse 18, the princes dig the well. The nobles of the people digged it by the direction of the log river with their staves. And I want to talk to you for just a minute about dig and sing. Dig and sing. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the presence of the that we feel your presence in this house, your Shekinah presence, God. I feel someone in this room has been dealing with some things. They've been in a dry and a dusty place, God. But you have brought them to the well, and we're going to sing to the well today, God. We're going to dig with our staves, and we're going to sing to the well. And you're going to move, and you're going to refresh, and you're going to renew us in this house, God, and bring to life things that were dead. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. You may be seated. So I I have to set the scene for you a little bit in this scripture. And I'm sorry that I do that a lot, but I'm in my master's program. So right now in my master's program, this is all I'm doing is studying, putting all this together. And you got to know a little bit about this background of this story. So this is after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. All right. The children of Israel, remember, they went the first time disobeyed the first time and left. So this is going to come take place after that time. And this is going to take place during the time that Moses now begins to move the children of Israel back towards the promised land for the second time. But you have to understand where the children of Israel had been. They were in a time of waiting. They, they, they For 40 years, their life was on pause. They were in a wilderness place, in a dry place. Now, I, 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 you know, I told you I don't read the Bible like everybody else. And so I have this whole series, this whole thing that I've put together about this story. But I think I'm legitimately, I think I got Bible to prove it. So, you know, the first time they get there and, the, you know, 10 guys, we can't do it with grasshoppers. Everybody's like, yeah, 1 million people agreed with 10 guys you think small groups can't destroy vision and can't destroy leadership, you're wrong. When 10 people can cause 2 to 3 million people to say you can't do something, there's power in small voices, that's a free one. You just take that one. We might could have an altar call right now. So 10 people can't do this. 1 million agree, 2 million agree, however many they are. They leave. And they go away. Now, I kind of, in my mind, kind of, you know, I read between the lines of the Bible. And so I kind of think there's a little bit of the story that we don't always get that went like this. I'm thinking Joshua and Caleb were really ticked off. Because I would be. And, and I got a feeling <clears throat> that they got together and they're like, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to find people in every tribe who are on our side, 20 and under. So all the young people got together and made a list of all the old people. I mean I would. And and they would be like, Okay, we're gonna have a meeting once a month and we're gonna see where we are. Can you imagine like, okay, we're meeting at Caleb's tent? They're all this is how I'm sitting. My husband's like, I don't even want to know what you're thinking right now. <clears throat> and I could just see them all getting in Caleb's tent. Is that me? Is that the rapture? I don't know. Lord might need some help. I'm ready. Is that warning, siren? I love it. I have a good time. One time I was teaching in my church and all the electricity went off. I just kept teaching. My husband had to come in there and go, Sister Burton. I'm like, I don't need a mic. I don't need my notes. I know what I'm going to say. Come on, here we go. Um. So I just got a feeling they're like, okay, we're going to meet in Caleb's tent. And everybody gets in Caleb's tent, and they're all in Caleb's tent. All right, uh, tribe of Dan, how many old people do you have left? How many do you have? And then I got to thinking, what if you were the last old person? Like you'd be walking around in the camp going, hey, hey. Hey, Mr. Jacob, I know it's your 80th birthday today. We brought you a cake. I'm not eating your cake. I don't know what's in your cake. Can you imagine? See, the Bible doesn't tell you all that, but I believe that was in there. Because if you knew you had a promise, but it had put on pause for 40 years, I think you as a young person would be going, when is my promise coming? When can it happen? And you know the only thing standing in your way is all you old people that won't die. I'm in the Bible. Bible didn't tell you everything. Now, they're coming out of the wilderness. They're coming out of this dry place, this place where nothing had lived. Because you need to understand that when the children of Israel left, left Jericho that first time, they went to a place called Kadesh Barnea, and they camped there for 38 years. Same place. And I love all you people. Oh, I love all you people. Well, Sister Burton, the Lord was good to them. Their shoes did not wear out. Their clothes did not wear out. Isn't that a miracle? And not one of you in here would want to wear the same outfit for 40 years. So don't talk to me about that being a miracle. What? nothing miraculous about that. That was just necessity. There wasn't nowhere to shop. And so the Lord goes, yeah, you're going to wear the same outfit for 40 years. You know what I'm saying? We read that and we're like shouting and praising the Lord over the wrong things. I'm like, don't bless me like that. I want a new outfit. Right? Here's where they have been stuck at Kadesh Barnea. They've been stuck in this moment of pause it It's been just existing from day to day we get up, we go through the day, we go to bed, we get up, we go through the day, we go to bed, we do the same thing so i'm i I'm kind of sort of imagining the moment like we had a while ago where something begins to sound w well, 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 hold on, we hadn't heard that for thirty eight years. What is that? what is that sound Well, I, is that the is that the Trumpet of war, because they had different sounds for different things. Is that the trumpet to wait? That's the trumpet to move. Can you imagine? And I could just see all the young people. They're like, throw it in there, throw it in there, get it on the camel. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We've been waiting 38 years for this. Honey, you don't have to fold it. Just throw it in there. We've worn it for 40 years. Just throw it in there. Y'all want me to read the Bible to you, don't you? saying i I think there was dust flying everywhere they were taking down tents and stacking camels and throwing their kids up there on whatever cart they had let's go we're ready to go because they've been on pause for 38 years in this dry wilderness place i don't know about you but just now feeling like we're i keep thinking we're going to come out of 2020 and, and i'm not sure I keep listening for a horn that says we're moving out of that, but I kind of feel like they're trying to hold us back to it. Let me If you don't think the enemy doesn't want to stop church again, you're crazy. That's exactly what he wants to do. And don't be telling me, well, Sister Britain, we got it online. You did not get it online. Some of you got up, checked in online, so everybody knows you are on Facebook and went back to bed. I know. Some of you got up that first Sunday, you got up, got the kids dressed, got them all in front of the, the Christian monitor to watch church service. The next Sunday, you were like, everybody just get your PJs on, let's get in there. You didn't even fix your hair, brush your teeth. I know some of you said amen with your coffee cup. Amen, pastor. Amen, pastor. You know it's not the same, right? Right? Because the body of Christ is meant to be together. There's something that flows and strengthens when we're in this atmosphere. And the enemy wants to separate us. He's a roaring lion. He's walking around looking for sheep that are weak. And can I tell you something? We kept up with all those COVID numbers online. You know, you couldn't even turn on your Christian monitor without Fox News telling you how many died and how many... We're gone from COVID, but the church didn't keep up with spiritual COVID deaths, and we lost some people through that. They didn't make it through that, and you ask me which is more important, and I would say those that spiritually didn't survive. Kind of feel like children of Israel. I feel like I keep thinking, undo the pause button. I think the Lord's trying. <laughs> the enemy's fighting. So can you imagine that horn? Oh, everybody's packed and ready to go. And Moses begins for two years to slowly but surely move the children of Israel back towards the promised land. He moves them to Oboth, and from Oboth to Ijabarim and then to the Valley of Zeret and then to Arnon and then to Ar. And that's a lot of moving and a lot of motion in two years when you sat still for 38 years. I got a feeling some of those young people like Joshua and Caleb didn't even unpack. I were like roll out your sleeping bag. We're just going to sleep under the stars. Dad, what if it rains? We'll, we'll just throw up a, one tent to cover us. But we're not going to set everything up because we're not going back to where we press pause. We're not going back to where we just camp out. was in a church recently speaking and was asking them how their church had come back after COVID. And they said, you know, pretty good, pretty good. But we have some people that have said, you know what, we can do it online. You know who those people are? Those are the people that stayed camped at Kadesh Barnea. And when the horn blew, they didn't get up and get their stuff and start moving forward. Can I tell you something? This is the house of the Lord. This is where we don't forsake assembling together because there's strength in it. And if you think you can do it on your own at home, the enemy has you right where he wants you. And he will destroy you eventually. Something is released when we are together. There is an anointing that it flows down and flows out. So they're marching, they're marching, they go to all of these towns, and then suddenly, everything's unfamiliar at this point, but suddenly they stop at this place called Be'er, and the the children of Israel, I think, kind of went, hold on a minute. I think we've been here before. I, I think I remember this place. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, my church right now, um, I've been gone two weekends out of the last four. I'm not gone all the time, but uh, and uh, they'll call me. They're like, Sister Burton, service was crazy today. Do you know what happened last week at my church? I was speaking over the weekend. I got a text on Friday from a lady, and she's been teaching a Bible study, and she said, Sister Burton, we've got five people going to be baptized. I went, praise the Lord. Make sure pastor knows. Make sure the baptismal team knows. Make sure there's towels washed and all that. We got to church. Guess how many we baptized Sunday? Nine. We baptized nine people. The one woman that was being taught a Bible study, she said, I'm going to Illinois to get my family. They're coming down here. They're going to get baptized in Jesus' name. That's what my church has been like. It's been like a a celebration every Sunday. It's a move of God. It's a lifeblood. And can you remember that first time after you came back from COVID, that first couple, it might have taken a little bit to get back in the, you know, because we all came back, we looked like Lone Ranger and Tonto. We had, I have one lady in my church, she doesn't like to hug. And so she was loving COVID because nobody could hug her. So when COVID was over, I got her a cup and it said, do we have to go back to hugging? And I was like, yeah, we do. I just love to annoy her. She loves me. She hugs me. But she's not a hugger. Anybody not a hugger? I heard one. We're hugging you after church. We're going to find you. Here they are. This is familiar. I loved that familiar moment when all of a sudden, oh, we're back. And I was just kind of like to the devil,
1: we're back.
0: I get snarky with him like that sometimes. I'm like, hello, we're back. You had us separated for however many months your church was separated and however many months your state was crazy about it. But we said that,
1: yeah.
0: We're back. We're together. We're moving our chairs together.
1: We're hugging. We're speaking to
0: one another. And I think the children of Israel kind of be here. Hey, this feels familiar. We've been here before. Let me show you when they were There and why it was familiar. If you look in the book of Exodus, chapter seventeen, verses five through six, we find the story. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. And go, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it. And the people will drink. This was the original story of the Now, a couple of things, and I didn't have anybody go get me a staff or a stick, but he said, not just any staff. This is the staff that you stretched out over the Red Sea. You stretched out over the Nile. You've stretched out over many things, and it parted. This staff has got some, some time on it. This staff has some age on it. This staff has some miracles in it. This is not an ordinary staff that you're going to take in your hand. But he said, I want you to take that staff. I want you to, at this time, strike the rock. Moses went up and struck the rock. And I don't know what kind of well they piped into. But it was enough that all million, millions upon millions of the children of Israel could drink till they're full. Now, that's a pretty good well to get a hold of. But now they're back at Beer. but something has happened in the meantime. The water is not flowing. It's a dry place. Maybe they see that rock. Maybe there's even a crack still in that rock from just a few years ago. But there is no water flowing out. Well, we've been here before, but hold on a minute. Now, I love this story. you got to go back and you got to read the whole of Exodus 17. Because I kind of feel like Moses, he did strike the rock. The Lord told him to. But I think he was a little frustrated when he had to do it. Because if you go read the story, it kind of goes something like this. Moses, 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 give us water to drink. And I love Moses because he's like, why are you fussing at me? Why are you testing the Lord like this? And the people are like, we're so thirsty. This crazy guy has brought us out here to kill us, kill our animals, kill our children. And I love Moses. He goes, Lord, why did you? And that's when the Lord said, well, just take your staff and go strike the rock. And I think Moses probably, he might have broke that staff. I don't know. Might have broke an end off that. Stuff. I think when he struck that rock, he's like, you crazy people. But something's different this time. Now they're back at Beer. They've got that staff, that proven staff, that powerful staff, that staff that turned into a serpent, ate up all the other serpents, and the staff that turned the waters to blood and parted the Red Sea, they've got that staff in their hand. Moses has got it. And now all of a sudden, the Bible says, the Lord said, Moses, we're going to do it different this time. We're not going to do it in anger. We're not going to do it in frustration. What we're going to do is we're going to sing now can you imagine those people? Moses has lost his mind. How are we gonna sing a well up? He said, Well, we're gonna ask it to do it. Spring up a oh well. Nothing. See, I told you he was crazy. Come on, people. You want me up here, you want me up here mad striking the rock? Or do you want me to tell you what we're going to do this time? Because this time we're going to take our promise. They knew they were fixing to accomplish it. There was a whole different mindset. There was a whole different spirit. Can I just challenge some of you church people? You need to get behind your pastor and say, what are we taking, pastor? Where are we going, pastor? What walls are we breaking down, pastor? What miracles are fixing to happen, pastor? What do you need me to do? Sing to the well. That's the spirit that came out. But Moses said, not only are we going to do that. Now, can I just can I just talk to you for a minute about singing? Um, you see, for us, that's not a big deal, because most of you sang this morning, some of you sang in your shower, some of you sang and you shouldn't sing. You can't sing, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? For us, we sing, we listen to songs on the radio. There's millions and millions of songs that we've heard. But you've got to understand, in the days of the Jewish culture, to create a lyric and a song was a big deal. When Moses said here in Exodus and Numbers, this is a reiteration of it in Numbers, when he said, spring up, we're going to sing a song, that was the first song that the children of Israel had sung since Exodus 15. So when we're in numbers, this is the first song they've sung since Exodus 15. Anybody know what that song was? That song was when they came out of the Red Sea. Remember Moses got up? All of Exodus 15 is the song of Moses. He wasn't that great of a songwriter. I mean, it didn't rhyme. He 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 wrote things like this. The Lord is my strength because the horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Second verse, your power, your authority caused the sea to stand up and then fall down over our enemy. Verse three, who is like you, O Lord, magic, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? It's getting better. It's getting better, Moses. Keep trying. Verse 4 closes with this. You have redeemed your people out of Egypt. You will carry them through all their enemies. You will bring them to the promised land. You will establish them forever. That was the first song that we see written by Moses in Exodus 15. He was the first songwriter. And that song, however we don't think it's that great, was so great that his 90-year-old sister Miriam got a tambourine, and went out dancing and praising the Lord. And the Bible says all the women followed her because this was such a song. And she made up her own verse, and she said, Sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he hath thrown into the sea. So she made that a bridge, and she just kept singing it over and over again, and the women rejoiced. But i got to get you to understand, they've not had another song. This point, that was over 40 years that they had not had a song. Israel lost its song. I don't know about you, some of the things I've been through in my life, sometimes I feel like I lost my song. Anybody ever feel feel like you lost your song? It's hard to stand on the second step of your house and, and watch it flood for the second time in three years and still have a song. I have one, but it's very mournful, it's not joyful. There's no blessing. There's nothing. I was not singing for the wet water. I was singing for the water to go. Forty years, no song. But Moses walks up to Beer. I could just see it. children of Israel. They're, they're excited, but they're a little dusty. And they recognize this place, but there's no water. And all of a sudden, the songwriter of Israel stands up and goes, "Who? guess what? I just got a new song. And they're ready for it. I think Miriam got her tambourine. They're ready for it. And he said, spring up, oh, well. He didn't have anything else. That was it. That was the whole song. And then he looked at the people and said, why don't you join me? Let's just sing together. Spring up, oh, well. They probably went, seriously? Okay. Not very Moses, I think your songwriting's getting worse, but okay, whatever. But can you imagine one million, two million people spring up a oh well? It's still not flowing. What's going on? But then Moses added a little addendum. Look at Numbers, verse 18. Look at that scripture in Numbers. Twenty-one and verse eighteen, Moses said, "You know what? I got a feeling we we've been we we've been singing, but it's going to take something else. There's a little work that's got to go to it. So I need all you princes of Israel. You know what the princes of Israel were—the leaders of the tribe, the ministry leaders, the pastors' wives, those people that folk called to preach. I need all of you to get your staff and get up here to round the water. Now." For you, you you know, nowadays we have a shovel. That's great. But back then they didn't. They had a straight stick like that right there. So what they would do was simply this. When they said dig, they didn't dig like this. They would take their staff and they would thrust it into the ground. It would make a circle. And they would keep thrusting it in the same place and making it a circle over and over again. And then when you got 12 men in the same place beginning to do that, that that ground began to break open. That ground began, that hard ground that had sealed over where the water was flowing, began to break open. Let me tell you something, when your pastor's up here preaching, he's digging, he's thrusting that staff, that proven word of God into the ground and he's making it a place. Do you know what your job is? The congregation Congregation needs to sing. While the princes work, the congregation sings. The princes dig. The congregation sings. Something begins to break loose. Now, I, I put pause a lot of times when I'm reading the Bible, and I just try to imagine the scene. Those princes up there. Spring up a well, a choir of a million or more. I get chibumps just thinking about it. Can you imagine when that first little water came through? See, I just take a moment. I gotta stay there for a moment because I just started. Can you imagine one of those princes lifts up his staff, and when he does, water droplets go flying. Everybody goes, "What was that?"
1: You ever been in a service like
0: that? Pastor preaches something, the Holy Ghost anointing. You're like, what was that? Something just broke. Something just shook. I think it went like this. And I think Israel went from, spring up a well. I think they went to spring up, oh, well, spring up, oh, well, spring up, oh, well, spring up, oh, well. I think it just became a chant. I think it just became something that came out of them. And before you know it, all of a sudden those princes are standing in water to their feet and then water to their knees. Because I'm going to tell you something, when the people sing and the princes dig, when you can put them together, things are going to break loose in your life. The Lord here lately has laid on my heart these three words, three phrases. Declare it, proclaim it, praise it. Declare it, proclaim it, and praise it. Now, I declare it for myself. When I declare something, Sister Cattro, I declare it over myself. This will be. When I proclaim it, I speak it to the enemy. Because you can declare a lot of things over, I will be set free. But you got to let the enemy know this is what's going to happen. So when you proclaim it, all of a sudden, hell takes notice. You just put up your notice sign. Guess what I'm fixing to do? But when you praise it, you speak it to your God. You see, Some of you haven't even declared it over yourself, much less proclaim it to the enemy or praise it to the Redeemer. Moses declared it. We're going to sing. Then he proclaimed it. You sing. Then they praised it. They sang it. And when they did it, that began to open up. About a year ago, I I spoke at the Arizona Ladies Conference. About three weeks ago now, I got a, a video message from a lady there, and she said, "Sister Burton, I got to share this with you." She said, you, "You were at ladies' conference and you spoke, and we had a lady from our church, and this lady was standing up and giving her testimony about a ten-minute video. This lady had been in drugs her whole life; she'd been in drugs, and she'd get in the church, and then drugs would pull her back, and it was just in and out. She had three children. Her oldest son, she didn't even know where he was; had no contact with him; knew he was in drugs. She had a daughter, uh, a younger daughter who was." in drugs there in the city, had nothing to do with her, would not have a relationship with her. She had a middle son who was on drugs. And so she had gotten into the church. She had gotten clean, and and she was in the church. And she would pray every day and beg God to save her children. Oh, God, please save my children. Please, you know what? She would beg him and cry and plead. Well, she came to Arizona Ladies' Conference, and I said those words. I want you to stop begging. I want you to declare, proclaim, and praise. She was standing up to give her testimony that after Arizona Ladies Conference, she came back and she no longer begged in prayer. She would declare, my children will get off drugs. My children will have a relationship with me. And then she would proclaim that. And then she would lift her hands and begin to praise that. She was standing up to give her testimony that just about six months before she gave this testimony, she got a phone call from the daughter that she had no relationship with, and the daughter said, Mom, I want you to know that I've been clean for six months, and I would like to have a relationship with you. Can we get together? That one so excited her, she just kept declaring it, proclaiming it, and praising it. And a few months later, her middle son came to church with her, got filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, was baptized in Jesus' name, was off of drugs, delivered from drugs, went and was clean. But she didn't know where that oldest son was. She kept declaring it. She she didn't know where he was. She didn't know how to reach out to him. She said... This was her testimony. She said, just a few days ago, I was declaring, proclaiming, and praising. When I stood up, my phone was in my pocket and it went. And I picked it up, and I I didn't recognize the number, and I said, hello? And this guy said, you don't know me. My name is such and such, but I have a young man standing here with me. He said his name is BJ and that he's your son, and he wants to talk to you. Mama, will you talk to him? Absolutely. BJ, where are you? Mama, I just want you to know I'm two months clean, and I'm coming home. Don't you tell me that you sing in your praise and you're declaring what it is will not happen. It will happen. I want you to stand right now because I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I want you right now to declare something, declare it over your life, declare it out loud over your life. If you need strength, if you need healing, if you need deliverance, if your marriage, if your children, if you just need hope, I don't know what it is, but declare it. I declare over my life, God. I declare over my life, God, healing. I declare over my life, God, strength. Come on, declare it. Now I want you to proclaim it. I want you with as loud a voice as you can to proclaim to the adversary. I will be made whole. I will be delivered. I will be set free. Come on, declare it so he can hear it. Come on, you got to declare it with a little strong authority in your voice. say it, I will. I will. I will. Come on, proclaim it. You have not because you ask not. Come on, proclaim it. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to come to this altar and when you get here, I want you to lift your hands and praise for it. With your hands lifted, With your eyes lifted, I want you to praise for it. Come on, children of Israel, I don't hear you. I praise you for my healing. I praise you for my deliverance. I praise you for my marriage being put together. I praise you for my children being saved. I praise you, God.